Hello and welcome to the Info Migrants podcast, Tales from the Border. I'm Emma Wallace. In this episode, we're high up in the Italian Alps. Twelve countries: Turkish, Greece, Albania, Montenegro, Bosnia, Serbia, Romania, Hungary, Slovakia, Czech, Austria, Italy, France. I'm two years in the Grisha because I can't go another way. European citizens are allowed to travel freely across this border, but people who arrived in Italy without documents, across the Mediterranean from Africa, for example, or via the Balkans from countries like Afghanistan, are supposed to stay in Italy. To get to France, they have to try to cross the border without being spotted, which is why they go higher and higher up in the mountains on often snowy, dangerous paths to avoid capture or being returned to Italy. Injuries and frostbite are not uncommon. Some have even died of exposure. Our reporter, Danny Mitzman, spent several days travelling between the Italian villages of Ulx and Clavier and on into France to meet migrants who are crossing this border in late April 2021, as well as some of the locals who work to make sure they stay safe while attempting the crossing. Danny stopped at various train stations, bus stops, refuges, mountain rescue stations and went high up into the mountains, walking the paths that migrants walk in order to cross another border on their journey to and through Europe. My name is Mamadou. I am from Gambia. I arrived in Italy in 2017. After then they transferred me to Turin. From Turin I have one year... The first time I come to Ulus in 2019, after I crossed, I went to France. From France, I spent three weeks. After I crossed, I went to Germany. From Germany, I stayed there. I applied for asylum again in Germany, but they gave me Dublin. mean that I have asylum in Italy. For my first interview in Germany, uh, for my asylum case, they gave me negative. After the negative, that... They tell me that I have to return back to Italy because my asylum case is in Italy. Italy is the one responsible for my case. Like Mamadou, thousands of migrants attempt to cross the border to France and beyond every year. Some try several times. But what is it like up there in the mountains? Silvia, an Italian local and volunteer who works with migrants, sets the scene. Siamo al Pian del Colle, che è l'ultimo posto italiano prima della frontiera. We are at Pian del Colle, the last Italian post before the French border. In front of us, you can see the Valle Stretta, which is all French. Everything you can see in front of us, all the mountain passes are in France. That slope you can see over there, which is incredibly steep, is where lots of avalanches will build up and descend. 
In bad winters, when there is too much snow, it turns into a giant wall of snow, and there is a continual risk of death. In an inverno molto nevoso, vi è un muro, uno scivolo di neve che crolla, e quindi pericolo di morte continuamente. Mi chiamo Mariano, sono argentino, ma abito a Clavier da più di dieci anni. My name is Mariano. I was born in Argentina. My wife and I have been living here for 10 years now. We own a mountain lodge up here in the mountains. Our refuge is up high on a path about five kilometers from the nearest village. And in the last few years, lots of migrants have started using the paths near our lodge, so we have become used to seeing them. The most dramatic story we had was one January evening this year, we'd already closed up for the night. Then I saw two lights coming down the mountain. I thought to myself, how strange, two skiers coming down so late. In fact, they weren't skiers, but two young migrants coming down the mountain. These two were not in too bad a state, but they told us that another four of their group had got lost up on the slopes. It was very cold that night. I called up the Red Cross guys, and in 10 minutes we set off with their quad bikes and my motor sledge. But there was so much snow that at a certain point we couldn't get any further. We started calling out, trying to find the lost migrants. It was about 10 p.m., and we heard something but from very far away. It took us a long time to realize that they were telling us they couldn't walk. The snow was very deep, up to our waist at this point. Eventually, we got near them and they managed to slide their way down. We realized that one of the guys couldn't walk because he had two pairs of trousers on, but he had put them on the wrong way around. So he had put on the ski pants first and then on top a pair of jeans. The jeans had become frozen solid. He couldn't move. It was at least minus 15 degrees Celsius. The jeans had been pulling both pairs of trousers lower and lower down until he was half dressed, so they were down by his knees and as hard as steel. You could see he had been trying to pull them back on and had just made the whole thing worse. The other guy had been trying to pull him along and his hands were frozen solid, so he couldn't move his fingers. I made it back to my motor sledge and got the sledge cover. We made the guy with the frozen trousers lie on the cover so we could pull him back to our vehicles. We got them both down to Clavier and to the hospital, and they were in for a good two, three weeks. One of them nearly had to have his hands amputated. It was horrible, a total drama. And I realized at that point that nothing will stop these guys attempting to cross the border. They are so desperate, so determined, so ready, willing essentially in order to get where they are going to risk their lives. And I guess this is not the first time they have been in risky situations on their journey. They are, quite simply, 
willing to face death. So this is the dressing room. This is the room where they come to get shoes and socks yes. and ski yes. pants. Have you a hat? You have? Okay. This hat is good? Yes, very good, very good. My name is Silvia, I live in Bardonecchia. We are a group of volunteers who work at the refuge at different times when they need help. We are in the clothes store at the moment. We collect clothes, mostly for high altitude, and then hand them out to those in need. My name is Rami, and uh, we are from Afghanistan. Is your final destination France? No, Germany. Why this way? Because we don't have any choice for way, because we don't have any document, do you know? And we have to the choice this way. But is this the best way? I don't think. It's better than another way. Because it's difficult with mountains. Yes, I know. We don't have any choice to another way. Do you know? Le persone che arrivano qui non sono vestite da montagna e quasi sempre non si rendono conto di dove stanno andando. Most of the people who arrive here are not dressed for walking in the mountains and they don't know what they need to be dressed to walk through snow. They don't understand that they will be climbing to about 1800 meters altitude or at least they might understand the theory but they don't really understand the practice. This is if you are in the forest it's cold Yes, yes. Around. in the traveling, in the Croatia, Bosnia, and Croatia, and Slovenia, and now is Italy. Yeah, look, in the Bosnia and uh, Croatia, the, the border, we every day go to border, they ask the asylum, uh, the police. It's maybe uh, they accept or not accept, and after, if uh, they not accept, they deport uh, 25 or 30 kilometers, and we have to go to again, to border every day. I go to Italy, it's very easy with the bus because the border, Slovenia and Italy, is different than other borders. Do you know? Just city and street. You can go to Italy, it's easy.
Allora abbiamo delle me le metalline, in italiano si chiamano così, sono le coperte termiche. These are the thermal covers, the aluminum blankets. We give them out in case people need to stop in the forest and survive at very low temperatures during the night. They wrap themselves up in the cover, and it helps conserve your body temperature. Their journey starts with a bus usually, and then they have to walk about three kilometers to Montgenevre, and then about 12 kilometers down into Briançon. It really depends whether or not they meet someone who can show them the way or not, what the weather is like, whether it has snowed or not, and whether or not they are able to follow the road or need to hide in the forest. They are walking for several hours, five or six at least, sometimes more. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Oh, good. You're ready? Yeah, very, very fat. <laughs> very fat? <laughs> yes. Yeah, well, you have many layers. Mm. Many layers. And yes. you, 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 yeah. Are you scared? Yes. The Escred Mountains, do you know? Because the first time the border Iran and Turkish, I tried. The near to die my family, do you know? It's a very, very bad situation. It's snow and very cool. Today is a memory of a bad situation. Yes, yes. I asked great about snow and mountains. We have to go, because we cannot stay there. You will try? Yes, we will try. Good luck. And I hope arrive to France. My name is Remy. My name is Remy. And uh, I am in the Red Cross for the two years. My name is Remy, and I'm a rescue with the Red Cross in Italy. I've been working with the Red Cross since 2019. I joined up because I promised my nana when I was a child that I would join up. And now that she is dead, I've fulfilled my promise. I like working with the migrants on the borders because I understand their wish to travel for a better life. I understand because at 12 years old, I was a migrant too. I travel with my parents, well, my mother and my sister, from Albania via Greece to Italy. We took a boat to Ancona in Italy from a Greek city not far from the Albanian border called Igomenitsa. From there we took a train to Turin where we had relatives waiting to help us. So today, I have Italian citizenship, but Albanian nationality. But for two years, we didn't have the legal right to live here. We only got it eventually through applying for family reunion via my father, who was already here. So this topic is really close to my heart. And that's why I want to help others who are in the situation I was once in. I understand why they do it. Meeting migrants, you realize that each migrant has an individual story to tell. Often you realize when you get home that you are still thinking about things they told you. Everyone's story is important and individual. It is part of the job to listen to those who want to talk, but you also have to remember that this is a job. If you take everyone's memories home, you wouldn't be able to go on. You have to make a kind of separation to turn off the Red Cross work when you get home, pull out the plug if you like. It's not about forgetting what they tell you, but you have to learn to put it in a kind of box and keep it there. 
otherwise you wouldn't have the strength to go on. So that's what I do. I put them in a special box so I can carry on with my work. Remy and his team have just been called by the Italian police to help pick up three young migrants who have been stopped from crossing the border. Every night, a group of volunteers from the Red Cross make sure they are present, giving out information, water, biscuits, hot tea and even teddy bears to any child migrants before the bus leaves. They work in tandem with the Alpine Rescue volunteers too, should any migrants get into trouble on their journey. The Red Cross, explains Remy, isn't there to block or stop the migrants, so they generally have a good relationship with them. Some of them they see night after night, as it often takes several attempts to cross the border. The Red Cross also has to be ready to accompany the Italian police when they are asked to pick up migrants from the French border and customs police. Lately, he says, they haven't been called so often to pick migrants up, but sometimes he remembers there were pushbacks every night. This is your garage. Piero is another local who grew up in Ulks. Since one of the local associations which helped migrants was closed down, he has started storing lots of clothes and equipment in his garage. We've got a network from here to France. We all communicate. This network is indispensable. Without it, this place would be a cemetery. Piero is an anthropologist who researches for the On Borders website and is the spokesperson for Doctors for Human Rights in Piedmont. On his phone, Piero scrolls through the pictures of migrants and their families who have passed through on their way to other parts of Europe. Many of them he's still in touch with, but one set of pictures makes him particularly sad. It is that of the Iranian family who sadly drowned in the Channel on their way from France to the UK. Piero remembers them well, he says. A lovely family they were, he sighs. In 2020, the flow of migrants coming through here changed. People started arriving more often via the Balkan route. Afghans, Iranians, Algerians. More families started coming through too. Some have been travelling for many years, between two and six years on average. But some as long as 30. Often children are born on the way. There are a lot of pregnant women, and a lot of women who have recently given birth. They arrive here with a sense of urgency to get across the border, often at the cost of their own health. Some even try to cross in the snow in the ninth month of pregnancy. The baby was even born here in Italy after the mother was pushed back at the border. We've seen vulnerable families and even elderly people on crutches trying to pass. In the last three months, so since the beginning of the year, I would say around 900 people have crossed the border and around 90 minors under the age of 13. Around 60 women, many of whom are highly vulnerable. They maybe have just given birth, are breastfeeding or are pregnant. These are women who have spent years journeying along the Balkan route. Sometimes the volunteers have organised concerts between musical locals and migrants. Piero plays a few of the extracts of concerts on his phone. This one was in Briançon. I would say that there haven't been so many victims lately because there is just so much solidarity on both sides of the border. Volunteers who comb the mountains every night to prevent people from getting lost and assist them. 
people contribute in all different ways and for different reasons. But that is what stops, by some kind of miracle, there being victims up here. But today, I would still say the situation is an emergency. Every time you see people getting off the bus, your heart skips a beat and starts beating faster. These are people who are maybe the age of your children. A decent country shouldn't treat people this way. I think there are good parts of every country. A beautiful version of France, Italy, Bosnia. People who can't look away and just want to put into practice real human solidarity. We don't defend the rights of those who pass through just because they are foreign and we are good, or to start a revolution, but because we believe in citizenship, in the values on which Europe is based, on which our constitutions are written. It is about living together as humans. Also, when you live here, you can't pretend nothing is happening. A young guy from sub-Saharan Africa once said to me, this situation consumes your mind. And I think he's right. There is such an excess of emotion and empathy involved with migration journeys. You risk thinking of them day and night. The first thing you do every morning is check who has passed the border and if there have been pushbacks. Then, if you know the people, your involvement is even stronger. When there are children in the group, you feel even more invested. You think about your own children when they were that age. In winter, when there is a lot of snow, it hurts to watch them leave. So sometimes you just have to take a break to cope with it all emotionally. This is for you. Back at the refuge, Sylvia gives out information leaflets to the last migrants setting off for France. English, English. Okay. My name is Samir Shiki, and I come from Algeria. This is a big adventure. It's difficult, but no, I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Since Turkey, I've had to swim twice across rivers to cross borders. There's a river between Turkey and Greece, and there's another between Romania and Hungary. I swam to avoid the border police checks. In Greece, they broke my hand at the border. In Turkey, they caught me and the guards took my phone, my money and my clothes. They used large batons and tasers. I walked 400 kilometers through the mountains of Greece into Macedonia, Kosovo. Here in Italy, it is a bit colder, but I'm used to it now. It's not a problem. In Italy, they don't hate you. They behave very well and these associations give us clothes. I hope to get to Spain. I speak Spanish and I have family in Spain. I'll see. If there's good work there and it's nice, I hope to stay in Valencia. There are lots of tourists and the climate is nice. I know a lot of trades, but it is difficult to choose which one to do. I could be a hairdresser, a baker or a driver, but they are all difficult without papers. I'm going to go the long way around. I'm expecting to walk about 20 kilometers, and I'm hoping to leave around 11 p.m. tonight. There are fewer controls that way. There is still quite a lot of snow, and I'm intending to take a really small path. Oh, alors, bonne chance. J'espère. I wish you luck. Regardez, c'est de le mopsmi, mopsmi. Samir has an app on his phone called Maps Me. He says it works without the internet and shows him all the paths he can take to avoid the checks. Look, 
here we are, I can go that way, go around there and get into France. I've used this app many times to get across borders. I have my sleeping bag, my clothes and my medicines. I'll be okay. Samir seems confident and is at the start of his journey. He knows it will be difficult to get papers, but first he just needs to make it to France. Listen to the next episode of Tales from the Border to find out if he does. Meanwhile, others, like 26-year-old Mamadou, who we heard from at the beginning of this episode, have lost their confidence after many years in Europe. Their only hope now is to be returned home, in his case, back to Gambia. Life has been difficult for me. I searched for work for many places. I didn't get any work. No one called me for work. I didn't sit in for waiting for interview is so long, like sitting in a centre or sitting in the camp for a year or two years for waiting for only an interview after you don't know whether you'll get a document or not. I can get crazy. It has been difficult. I request for going home. I prefer to go home. But it's difficult even to go home. And why do you think it's better if you go back? Yeah, I have. I know maybe when I go back, I will able to start a new life because in Europe here, when you don't have house to sleep, it's very cold. Uh, the weather here and in Africa is different. Yeah, it's very cold. And do your family know that you want to go home? Yes, I inform them, but sometimes they get sad. They tell me they have to stay in Europe, but they don't know about my condition, how I face. I don't see any friend who can help me. I don't have any friend who can take me to his or her house to help me or to assist me something. Are they helping you here in the refuge? Yes, I am getting breakfast and dinner and place to sleep in the... But when Mamadou was there, the refuge was closed in the day. Anyone staying there longer than a night was asked to leave at 9am and could only re-enter at 4pm each day. Mamadou says it's hard knowing what to do during that time. I don't have nothing to do outside. Only to sit and wait again until 4 o'clock again to enter. It's very difficult. I don't understand whether if they can really help me to go back because I have been requesting to go home for many times. But I don't know what is the problem why they cannot take me home to my country. Because in, in Switzerland, I request, even in France, I request to go home. But everything is very difficult. It's a very sad time and it's a very difficult moment actually in my life. Because maybe what I dream when I come to Europe, before anything, let me further my education and have a degree in the university and start a new life and live good. But the way I find Europe is different. Like someone who is not in welcome. I'm sorry to say it like that, but the time I came, it's just like, I am not welcome in the city or in the village or in the school here. All he wanted was to be able to dream, says Mamadou, but those dreams have now been dashed. Now he's hoping that he can make his dreams come true in Gambia instead. 
when I will stay in Europe, I need a document. I need also to change my life situation, to have a document, to have a job, and also if I can further my education also in Europe, because I want to build my future. I am a young person, I don't want to get old like this without future, without kid, I, without married. It's difficult for my life. I also dream one day I could have my own family, my own wife and my own children to decide or to plan something to do in my life in the future. As a dream, when I was young, I dreamed to walk like first thing. I dreamed to walk like a soldier. <laughs> I dreamed even to be a politician. <laughs> yeah. A few weeks after Mamadou talked to Danny, she heard from Sylvia at the refuge that he had achieved his latest dream and had been flown back to Gambia by the Italian authorities. He says he is happy to be home and hoping that now he can start making his dreams into reality, albeit in Africa, not Europe. Tales from the Border is a production for Info Migrants English. This episode was recorded on location in Italy by Danny Mitzman. The music was composed for Info Migrants by Chinese Man Music in France. Production and presentation was by me, Emma Wallace. Editing was by Marion McGregor. And studio production in the DW Studios was by Get Georgi. On va vous poser des questions douloureuses. Maîtrisez-vous. Soyez tranquille. On ne peut rien vous faire pour